The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in exactly the right place. We're revisiting a topic we covered recently because there's so much more to talk about. The buzz today, 16 tons, and what do you get? Well, if you're older than I would say 45, you might remember Tennessee Ernie Ford. It was a song about owing your soul to the company store, and it was about the mining industry, so that's a clue. Let's get started. According to a 2014 Mars, and I'll spell that, Cap M, lowercase a, Cap R, lowercase s, Mars Connected World Market Insights Report, and I quote, the mining industry is as vital to today's global economy as ever before, yet it is combating multiple adverse global trends, such as falling commodities prices, a slowing global com- economy, we'll talk about that, and skilled labor shortages. However, calls for innovation in the mining industry are deafening. Aha. And the Internet of Things, it's making its way into mining sites. But, and here's the caveat, change in the mining industry is at times very gradual. Translation, maybe not happening fast enough. We have a panel of experts who are invested in this industry. They're passionate. They're engaged. They know what they're talking about. And I'm looking forward to speaking with them. First up today... A newcomer to SAP Radio, it's Lou Cellini. He's an SAP Global Director of Heavy Equipment Solutions Sales. And Lou sent me a quote from, surprise, surprise, Walt Disney. I don't know what Walt Disney is doing being quoted on the show about the mining industry, but here it is. If you can dream it, you can do it. Lou Cellini, welcome. How are you today, Lou? Hi, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. I'm, do- I'm doing well. Thanks. Delighted. Walt Disney, would he be shocked to know we're talking about mining and IoT? Was he even around when IoT was a glimmer in somebody's eye, Lou? Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but he certainly was a visionary and and pushed the envelope, so I don't think he'd be too surprised at what we're speaking about. Okay, so why did you pick this quote? How does, if you can dream it, you can do it? How does this relate to mining industry? What what part of my intro does this apply to? Well, if you look at at my uh, my bio, I've been been involved in a hands-on way for, for quite some time with pieces of this industry. And I'm never, never uh, surprised at uh, what uh, what we call a lot of um, good old boys can come up with. And in the IT world, we call them the people who have the knack. And whenever there's problems or there's challenges or things that we, we need to get done, I, I'm never, never surprised at, at, at what these guys come up with because, you know, they, they generally can get it done. And, and the mining industry is certainly a specific group that, that I'm speaking of, uh, you know, as it relates to their business. 
Okay, so let's move on, and thank you very much. I want to welcome our second panelist. It's Rob Tennant. He's a digital officer at Barlow World, B-A-R-L-O-W-O-R-L-D. And we have a specific uh, mining industry quote from Rob. He says, telemetry data has a half-life of three days. If you cannot analyze, verify, recommend a solution, and execute within a week, the value is often lost or at the least considerably diminished. Sounds like we're talking about urgency here. Rob Tennant, welcome. How are you today? Hi, Bonnie. I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, delighted to have you. Glad to meet you. So talk to me. How does this relate to our topic of what's going on in mining and IoT? Right. Well, clearly, I, I bring a dealer's perspective to this uh, to, to the um, discussion. And from our point of view, I think most dealers are looking to try and secure customer loyalty by um, uh, adding value through through telemetry systems that they can supply. And, uh, you know, typically we sort of work in a few areas. One would be health management, so trying to actually reduce the cost of ownership of the equipment itself. Uh, then uh, productivity around actually managing the, the activity of drills, excavators, and haul trucks, and so on. And then, of course, safety, which is a really important thing in the industry. So proximity detection, uh, remote control for hazardous areas, operator abuse monitoring and sort of fatigue management, those type of issues. And finally, of course, sustainability around fuel management and optimization. And I think all of those things, typically, uh, uh, to actually deliver those services, one needs to monitor the, the data stream that's coming in. Um, and, and typically one monitors the structured as well as the unstructured data, so telemetry oil samples, unstructured data like, like inspection data. And, and one then tries to identify value out of that data, communicate that value with the customer, drive it through to some kind of a recommended action, get some sort of authorization from the customer to do something, mm-hmm. and then go ahead and do it. And, 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 and the issue is really to, to, to get that all done quickly when, when the volumes of data are rising, because more and more assets are being connected. Uh, 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 um, uh, sensors are being put onto assets, so so the volume of data is going up, and, the, and, and and to go through this whole process of identifying, communicating, getting authorization, and doing something as the volumes rise is becoming more and more difficult. And you know, I mean, it, uh, if you take an example of maybe uh, driver uh, um, um, fatigue monitoring, it doesn't help telling a, a customer that that his driver was tired yesterday. <laughs> so, 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 a little uh, late. Yeah, exactly. So it's really important to move fast. And I think that, 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 that some of the challenges that we're facing now is, 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 is how to take this vast volume of data and turn it into value on a really efficient way. And that is one of the things that we're trying hard to, to actually achieve with our customers. Thank you, Rob. A question for you. I read in the report, the excerpt from Connected World Market Insights report about mining, that the cry for innovation is deafening, but change is at times very gradual. How do you see it? Just a quick overview. Do you see that the hue and cry, that's an old-fashioned expression, is overwhelming the need to go slowly, or uh, are things really, really at a snail's pace in terms of innovation? I think it's speeding up. Um, you know, you also mentioned in your intro that, in fact, times are tough in the mining industry with the mm-hmm. uh, commodity price being depressed. And I think quite often when times are tough, that's when folks get their head out of the trench and start looking around and saying, well, how can I do things better? So, so in a way, I think we're now getting to a point where, 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 where there is acceleration happening. Our, our real problem is that at the moment, uh, our data is too disjointed. So, so, so you have lots of different vendors on the mines. The data is sitting in little isolated pockets. And to really get benefit for the customer, that needs to be integrated. And I think that's a, a, a challenge that we face before we can really start to move forward, uh, uh, thankfully. 
Thank you, Rob. Good insights. I appreciate that. And joining us again and again and again is Ira Burke, who helps sponsor this series. Ira is the VP of Solutions Go to Market at SAP. I have a fascinating quote from John F. Kennedy through Ira Burke. And the quote is, when written in Chinese, the word crisis is composed of two characters. One represents danger and the other represents opportunity. It sounds like a spy movie. Ira Burke, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Always delighted to have you on a panel because you know so much about IoT. This is your series. How are you today, Ira? Doing great. Thanks, Bonnie, and thanks again for the uh, chance to be on the show. Wonderful. So talk to me. Interesting JFK quote. I didn't know he said things like this. So where did you find us, and please relate it to our topic of IoT and mining. Yeah, so, so obviously he was thinking about the mining industry when he said that. He must have been. Um, because of course. If, if, if he was listening to what Rob was just saying, right, that, that we are in this situation where the, uh, where the customers, the mining custom companies, are much more focused uh, because they're in a tough market situation with declining prices and, uh, and where they, they have a little bit of an impetus to, uh, to make a change and to, uh, and to press everyone around them to make changes and make improvements. And at the same time, we have an opportunity coming from the improvements in technology, from IoT, from big data, from analytics that we can apply to, uh, to help make a difference. And I think we're going to see, uh, I hope we'll see in the course of our conversation, some examples of where that's, uh, of where that's the case. Ira, a question for you. The danger and the opportunity, is the mining industry walking that tightrope, that fine line between the two? Are there the proponents of IoT, wow, this is great, look at all the wonderful things we can do, the safety and the efficiency and knowing things before they happen, getting rid of downtime and just improving everything versus, I don't know, it's an unknown territory, we're traditionalists. Who is walking that fine line or who is on the opportunity side? Any thoughts? You know, can I, can I, can I say that of, of all of the conversations that I've had in the past uh, two months, three months, four months on this topic with various players in the industry, um, to a person, everybody is looking for the opportunity to move forward. Um, I, haven't, uh, I haven't had anybody come back and say, you know what, just leave things the way they are. Right? That's at least from, from what I've heard and from my own perspective. Uh, that's not a sentiment that I've heard at all. And the question is, you know, with safety in mind, with progress in mind, with improved mm-hmm. operations in mind, um, what's available to us to make it better? Thank you. Luccellini, I want to get you in on what we've covered with Rob and yeah. Ira uh, relating to your quote before I ask you what are you drinking today. So, Lou, any comments? Yeah, I, ju- I just want to say that, I, you know, uh, having, having uh, been involved in, in these areas for quite a bit, the, the, the challenge that we have, particularly in the line of business that I'm in, is to develop the use cases to accelerate the modeling and, and get us to the point that all the, all the data points that, that Rob had, had mentioned and, and, and the, the immense amount of that and, and how do you digest it and how do you consume it, you know, there's a lot of reasons why this industry seems to be somewhat lethargic and you know, part of it is because uh, it's not a very attractive industry, generally speaking. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about people with a lot of dirt and grease under their their fingernails, and you heard me use the term "good old boys." So, you know, to help these guys, uh, you know, people like ourselves and 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 the people that are in this industry, if they could accelerate use cases instead of just giving them products, giving them end-to-end solutions, and how to aggregate this data and present it, and 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 turn it into real value. That's 
that's where you know things are going to start changing, changing in the industry. So again, there's a couple of reasons why the industry lags. One, it's the attraction of the people, the caliber of the people in some of the areas, and number two, a lot of the a lot of the technology suppliers show show things, and they don't show end-to-end use case uh, solution opportunities. And I think those are are you know a couple key points worth noting. And we will cover them in the roundtable. Lou, I have a question for you. You've mentioned a couple of times, good old boys, old boys network. You know what I'm going to ask you. Are there any women in positions of decision-making, ownership, management, leadership in the mining industry today? How many females are rising to the top with or without the grease and the dirt under their pretty fingernails? What do you see? I don't really have a view of that with that industry. Rob could probably answer a little bit better, but I will say that in yeah. the industry that I'm in, involved with now, there are many more uh, women in key positions than there are in general general uh, construction industry that I've observed. Good. Rob Tennant, you want to answer that one? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say sadly there are actually few and far between, Bonnie. I, I, I think that um, we, we are seeing sort of a, a younger woman coming into the industry more and more. I mean, certainly we, you know, we're seeing them coming through from, from engineering graduation, but it's, uh, I, I'd have to say that the old boy club is still pretty, is pretty predominantly male. Well, it sounds like there's some great opportunities, Ira Burke, to go to your quote from JFK. Ira, your viewpoint, you travel the world and looking at all kinds of industries for SAP. What do you see? Are there women women on the rise? Is this something that will intrigue millennials, perhaps? Um, you know, look, especially as, as things start to change, that creates new opportunities for everyone. Mm-hmm. Right? And so um, if, you know, and, and when... The, um, the engineering challenges, the technology challenges, the communication challenges, the presentation challenges. As there's more information circulating, as there's more opportunity to, um, to bring systems together and to expand beyond just being physically present at a, uh, at a mining site. Um, mm-hmm. I think that opens up more different kinds of opportunities for a whole different and new group of people to get involved and make a difference. Makes for good espionage movies to have that fantasy, doesn't it? But I digress. Lou Cellini, you're up first. What's in your cup today? Because future, I'm sorry, we're on Internet of Things with radio with Game Changers. We have 15 different series now, and I get all my children mixed up, which has happened to my grandmother and my mom on occasion. So you're on the Internet of Things with Game Changers radio, and because we're all part of the bigger show called Coffee Break, I'm going to ask you, Lou Cellini, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? And what are you drinking? And if it's not too interesting, tell me what you're going to be drinking after the show. Go ahead, Lou. Okay, uh, Bonnie, I'm calling uh, just from just north of Baltimore, and it's uh, quarter after three in the afternoon. And I'm going to answer your question maybe a little bit different than you asked. I'm a bold mm-hmm. drinker. I drink bold, full-face coffees. I drink full uh, red wine calves, and I love a good solid martini. So any of those, whatever the time of the day (laughs) is, it's going to be bold, bolder, bolder. I love it. That's probably one of the most interesting and honest answers we've had in a long time. (laughs) Ira Burke, no pressure on you. He's done this so many times. I think he's running out of drinks to tell me. Rob Tennant, I won't ask you to top that, but we'd love to know a little bit about what you're drinking and throw in a little personality comment at the same time. Where are you calling from? What time of day? And what's in your cup? All right, I'm 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 calling out of Charlotte, North Carolina. So it's also mm-hmm. three three fifteen for me. Um, uh, in my cup at the moment is cappuccino, and uh, 
what's interesting about that is uh, my wife recently gave me a manual espresso machine. So I've been, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a gadget freak, so I've been sitting fiddling with it and uh, experimenting. And you know, when you have a manual machine, you can play with the quantity of coffee, with the, with the firmness with which you temp it down and all these various things. So I'm thinking of coming up with a new scientific measure called buzz per kilopascal per fluid ounce. <laughs> <laughs> Ira, can you tweet that, please, at hashtag SAP Radio? We need to share that with... Yeah, look, Rob, can you please say that slowly? That's a tweetable moment. I am positive. Can you tell us again? Very slowly, because Ira writes slowly, so tell it to Ira, please. Right, it's it's a uh, it's it's a uh, buzz per kilopascal per fluid ounce. <laughs> oh, oh, that's got to go into an email. I don't think even I could do that quickly. Thank you very much, Rob. Ira, your compadres here, your companions on the panel have some very interesting things to say, and we want to know something new and different about Ira Burke, who has been on so many times. So, Ira, what are you drinking that's new and different? There's no pressure. No, but I had a good opportunity because uh, having uh, having been traveling to to learn a little bit about this uh, industry, although. Uh, my travel does not compare to Rob's. It might uh, it might outdo most other people, um, but I was uh, I was recently in in Australia learning about this industry a little bit, and uh, there's of course an Australian drink being introduced now in Starbucks in the U.S. the flat white coffee, and so I ah. had a chance to uh, to try that in its original habitat uh, for the first time when I was traveling, and I'm and I'm totally in favor of it. It was uh, what was is it? What is it? So What's a flat white? What is it? So it's it's like a cappuccino, but it's not foam. The, uh, the milk is kind of flat and velvet texture, so it's, uh, it's just a little bit smoother than, uh, than a cappuccino, a little bit more blended. And, Sounds uh, really interesting. And enough caffeine to keep you going, I hope? Uh, it depends on how many you buy, but yes, if you buy enough. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody can get to the head of the line at Starbucks in Australia, it's Ira Burke. He's just there guzzling them down. I appreciate that. Uh, Lou and Rob, Ira knows this about me already. They don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show days, and I think you already know why. It's just plain water, but I am allowed to have a pretty pink straw in my cup with my my filtered water, and that's as good as it gets, but I'll have something more fun tonight. So we are talking today about IoT, Internet of Things, and mining, revolutionizing an industry. This is part two with a new panel because we had so much to say. It's such an interesting topic that we want to bring you more. And I know we have some listeners in Australia because they emailed me after the last show, Ira. So there might be a friend of yours, and I'll find out who it is. We're speaking today with Lou Cellini at SAP, Rob Tennant at Barlow World. And Rob, in the next segment of the roundtable, I'll ask you just briefly what Barlow World is and what you do. And Ira Burke also at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and you're listening to, I'm positive about this, the Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. It is, we're live. It is, my goodness, it's March something. Uh, must be March 11, 2015, and we have so much more to talk about. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back after the break with the roundtable with Lou Cellini leading off. So, Lou, get ready. Michael, out. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Here we are, and we're talking about the industry that Tennessee Ernie Ford popularized in his song, 16 Tons and What Do You Get? And we're talking about the evolution of mining industry vis-a-vis what is happening with technology, IoT, progress, is it being made in the right ways, the right places, and the right timing. My guests today are Lou Cellini at SAP, Rob Tennant at Barlow World, and Ira Burke at SAP. Lou Cellini, you have the top honors here of kicking off our roundtable. I'm looking at the notes you sent me before the show. Here's something provocative. If you say, what's new? Is the Internet of Things really new? And then you comment, IoT is not ubiquitous enough now. Interestingly enough, there's a new term, dark data, what's not known. So why don't we apply this to the mining industry and let's get started, Lou. Well, um, thank you, Bonnie. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, as Rob had indicated earlier, you know, about the, the half, half-life, if you will, of data and, and the utilization of data, um, you know, we talk about the Internet of Things, and we could define that term, but there's been tons and tons of data points, sensors, data collect- collecting activities that have been going on for quite some time. You heard Rob talk about, uh, you know, an analysis of engine failures and, and warnings and bells and whistles and driver's fatigue and so forth and so on. When I, when I truly think of the Internet of Things and really to cause a shift in the industry, I, I'm looking more towards a broader a more uh, more clear visualization of what these businesses are doing. Uh, some would say, you know, we're kind of getting cl- closer to, to some type of an aug- augmented reality, but I truly do think that's what these businesses want and need and desire, and, and, they, and they're inching their way towards, uh, you know, getting there. They're, it's, it's an evolution. They're using different technologies and different devices, and they're all disparate. They don't speak to each other. And, you know, you know, the left and the right hand doesn't know what's going on. And the challenge here with, with the Internet of Things in general and, and all this data uh, that, that's, that's being brought forth is to bring it in such a way that it can be managed and a business run out of it. And I do really think that kind of the, the game changer and the shift that's going to happen within the next number of years, and it's going to take a few, is that these mine owners are going to get a holistic representation of, quite frankly, what's going on in their business, from the people down in the mines to the equipment, mm-hmm. to the crusher equipment, to, the, to, to any of the processing plants, in such a dramatic way 
that they're going to be able to make very time-sensitive decisions. And, and, and at the end of the day, what this all leads into is, is an optimized operation and a more profitable business. So that, that's kind of where I come from when, when I talk about the Internet of Things. We've, we've been dealing with the Internet of Things for quite some time. It's been called different terms. It's kind of like today when you talk about cloud technology, some of us that have a, a few gray hairs will remember ASP application service providers a number of years ago. It's kind of the, the same thing a new look and f- fresh feel but with the with the advent of newer technology more cost effective technology in memory com- computing processing power all these pieces are there you know it, it, we just have to engineer a view so that the the business owners can 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 have a a view that they've never had before that will help them raise the bar on the, on these operations and that's kind of you know when i when i when i talk about is is the iot really new if you look at over our shoulder there's a lot of iot components that have been around quite some time when you'd ask somebody about iot they'll talk about switches and data and sensors and so forth and so on in my mind uh, you know, kind of the uh, IoT is this visualization of this of this business from a holistic pers- perspective, so that these guys and, and women can make real time decisions uh, affecting their businesses, and you know, and uh, obviously increase their, their profitability. Thank you, Lou. Rob Tennant, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, Lou makes some interesting points, and he he mentioned the concept of translating and managing data, and 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 all the various different pockets of it that are around. I mean, one of the things that I think fascinating, and perhaps this also builds on the dark data issue, is, you know, there's just so much value lying in this data, and 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 the values there not just for the mining entities, but for all of the uh, uh, parties that sort of are in that supply chain. And uh, uh, you know, I mean, we we did a, a workshop. A few of us a little while ago, and we and we sort of spent a couple of hours just brainstorming what other value apart from the obvious stuff uh, lie, is lying in the data, and we came up with you know a whole bunch of things. The interesting thing, though, is is who owns the data because uh, clearly you know a, a mine will actually say, "Listen, I bought the equipment; it's my data," and and probably the the OEM will say, "You know, it's my data because I fitted the box and I'm paying for the communications and so on mm-hmm. and so forth." So. Uh, it's one of the things I think we have to sort out over time is is exactly who owns the data and, and uh, who can beneficiate from it. So it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting path we have to travel. It certainly is. Ira Burke, go ahead. Yeah. No. So so the you know on this show we've had a chance to talk about uh, several of the enabling technologies, several of the things that are changing in uh, in the world around us that make it more possible than it used to be to handle some of what's happening. So as we have more connected devices as we have more data that needs to be analyzed. Uh, we have um, technologies for handling big data. We have technologies now for analyzing it. We have new and interesting technologies that we spoke about on the very first episode of this show for interconnecting systems that were not really happy to be interconnected before um, through, uh, through tools like API management. And uh, it's not that these um, challenges are going to become easy. There's still significant challenges in creating systems that were not designed to talk to each other. Now they need to talk to each other. Um, mm-hmm. But we have, we have a platform where it's possible to happen now, where we can start to really bring these things together, where we can start to handle the large volume of data, where we can start. If we know what questions to ask and if we have good expertise and good insights, we have tools that we can apply now to start to get some of that valuable information brought to the surface and, uh, and made useful. 
So, Thank so, you, Ira. So, yeah, go ahead. So, so Bonnie, I, I, I did, mm-hmm. uh, did not address his dark data. I want to share just very quickly a, a, a good example that illustrates this. Rob talks about the data that's kind of not not being used or it's, it's not being mined, and, and, and Ira makes reference to it. The, 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 the example that, that, that illustrates this is share is uh, Best Buy is a, like a consumer's electronics store. And long story short, they finally figure it out through analyzing some of their visual data that has been there all the time. And again, the term dark, it's dark because nobody's looking at it, nobody's mined mm-hmm. it. But what they find out is 85% of their customers turn right when they come in their stores. And so they have rearranged their businesses and, and the way they, they introduce products to customers based upon that dark data, if you will. And, you know, there, there's much more that, that that's out there. And that's kind of, you know, an example of how dark data was exposed and, and used in a current, you know, in a current uh, business. Very interesting. It, it reminds me, um, Lou, of, of IKEA putting in cinnamon buns and coffee so yeah. that wherever you are in the store, you smell it. And I think the nose leads you to that part of the store yeah. where they're selling all kinds yep. of uh, food and drink and, and gift packages and things like that. No matter where you are, you're thinking, do I have to turn right or left in this huge maze to get to the place where I can see the cinnamon yep. bun and drink the coffee? So, yes, I, I understand that. Um, I want to move into a slightly different direction here. I want to get down in the minds, if you don't mind my saying that. Rob Tennant, I'm looking at the notes you sent me. An interesting point here. You First of all, you say mining is a rough sport. We were just talking about IoT, sensors and equipment. You say they often need to be repaired and maintained. Let's just leave that on the table. But I want to go to, you say that infrastructure on the remote mines is often the weakest link. Let's talk Talk about what what is weak about it. You say managing radio communications is difficult. The mine topology is constantly changing. If you don't have an effective network in the mines, duh, your systems are going to fall down. Your fleet manager is going to stop. Your telemetry data is going to be nothing. So let's let's talk about mines very in a detailed way. I don't know if uh, Lou and Ira can join you on that topic, but let's hear a little bit from your experience on remote mines. I'd love to go there. Okay, so, so um, I'm, I'm referring here probably primarily to, to open cast mining, but typically as the, as, as, as the mine gets actually uh, um, consumed, the, 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 uh, uh, the actual uh, uh, point of operation moves through the actual ore body. And as it does so, they, uh, the uh, uh, radio networks, which typically consist of a number of antenna that can actually uh, that ensure that there's no dark spots down in the pit, um, has to continuously be reconfigured to ensure that communication stays up, and and some of the some of the mine systems. I mean, certainly for for example, if you're doing dynamic fleet management, where you're actually assigning pieces of equipment to to work dynamically based on the uh, uh, on the actual current situation in the mine, need data second by second. Mm-hmm. So 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 uh, what we found is when you're in sort of you know very remote areas, perhaps uh, we have we have some of our customers that operate above the Arctic Circle. Uh, we have other customers that that operate uh, operate in areas with with uh, you know virtually in the middle of the jungle, and um, uh, you know we find that it's difficult to get skills in those areas, uh, people that can actually manage these type of networks and keep them functioning. And uh, you know, as you say, clearly, clearly, if we if if we don't uh, succeed in doing that, at the end of the day, the customers' fancy systems, telemetry systems we're putting in just 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 don't add value. Mm-hmm. So, so you end up in a difficult situation, and 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 it, uh, um, we've certainly seen a number of mines literally lose faith in the whole telemetry and the value proposition of telemetry purely because they cannot keep their communications up and running. So it's a it's a it's, it's an important issue, and and you know it's an issue around cost because. 
for, for us as a sort of service provider or dealer to continuously send people up into these, into these remote areas is very expensive and not cost-effective. So it's an issue that we continuously battle with, is how to get local, local folks up to, up to speed to manage the environment. And I think mm-hmm. also, you know, if you take it uh, uh, away from communications, the, the sensors themselves get damaged pretty frequently and the equipment gets damaged and you have to recalibrate and change sensors and so on. And that's also fairly technical in nature. So it's all very well to, to actually talk the internet of things, but you have to be able to manage it as well uh, at, the, at the base level. Very good points. Uh, quickly, Rob, what is Barlow World? I said I asked you before, and I want to make sure that we cover that. Just a couple of sentences. What do you do? Right. So, so Barlow World has a has a number of divisions. Uh, um, uh, the area that I'm involved in, we're actually a Caterpillar dealership. So we actually uh, sell and service and support Caterpillar equipment across three territories: Southern Africa, which is kind of from Zam- for, for those that know Africa, from Zambia downwards. <laughs> So it's around. Uh, we, we actually cover about eight countries in Southern Africa, uh, in Spain and Portugal, in, in Europe, and then up in, in uh, Sib- Siberia, a big chunk of Siberia up in the up in the north. You get around. I hope they keep you warm. <laughs> Enough about that. Ira Burke, you want to chime in on keeping the network going in the remote mines? Any thoughts on that? Well, just that some of the uh, assumptions that we like to make around the Internet of Things become a lot more challenging in the environment that, that Rob is describing. Right, so um, in, in the IoT, right, when we're talking about connected cars, when we're talking about uh, connected equipment in a factory, um, we, we, we often make an assumption that there's a uh, cellular telephone network available, that there's Wi-Fi connections available, that there is uh, access to the Internet. If you're making an Internet of Things, then there needs to be an Internet. And mm-hmm. if you imagine where these large mining operations are taking place, like in some of the places that, uh, that Rob just mentioned, um, you can't take that for granted at all. And so um, the importance of understanding how that communication network is going to work, understanding how much data it can really handle, and understanding what's the top priority information moving back and forth across that network becomes uh, much more interesting in the discussion and something that needs to be uh, considered explicitly and not just... Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. So, uh, Bonnie, Hello. this is Lou. I just want to mm-hmm. add to, to a couple of comments that, that Rob had mentioned um, that, I've co- that I've come across in kind of the same, same venue. Um, you know, they talk about making this equipment miner safe and all the challenges that, that Rob pointed out in terms of the, the moving topology and, and wh- where are people today and, and so forth and so on continue, continues to be a problem. Um, the, um, I, I've even had some mines advertise uh, connectivity as a differentiator for for employment, if you will, because they are so remote, and uh, you know, to Rob's point, you know, getting uh, data access is a challenge. But you know, I think that uh, Rob also mentioned about cost-effective. I do think that there's probably some newer technologies. I know just enough to get myself in trouble with this, but mm-hmm. there's some meshing technologies that I think are forthcoming. I think the underlying uh, wireless technology is still part of that, but I think they deal with the data differently. That they can bring some redundancy. Um, but again, this is an extremely harsh environment that these guys operate in and uh, you know to Rob's point it, it, it will continue to be a challenge until we come up with some better cost-effective technologies to help them in that in that regard thank you rough sport indeed uh, Rob you want to wrap this one up anything you want to add after what Ira and Lou added to the conversation 
Not really, Bonnie. I think, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, very good points. And uh, uh, I think Lou's probably right. I'm sure that the, that the technology is going to improve. Hopefully satellite technology and bandwidth will improve as well as we go forward. So I guess over time these things will hopefully become less of a challenge. Let's hope so. And let's move to a different area. Ira Burke, I want to do a little bit of the economy uh, aspect of this conversation. I'm looking at your notes and you say falling commodity prices are driving mining companies to look for new ways to boost profitability. And, and let me just read a couple of, they're not stats, but comments. You say iron ore prices fell by half in the past year. Demand in large markets is falling, especially in China. Prices are the lowest in over a decade, according to Bloomberg and others. Australian mining companies with reduced profit include BHP, Arium, FMG, Rio Tinto, and in South Africa, Kumba, Esor, and BHP. This doesn't sound very good. How are they going to find new ways to boost profitability if the demand is down so badly, so dramatically? Ira, you want to talk to this? Well, I mean, so I'd like to think about it from the opposite perspective and say, uh, you know, this is something that they, they need to do, right? So if you're, if you're a company in this business and it's cyclical, right, we know that prices are going to rise and prices are going to fall. And if they're in a falling environment, that is uh, creating more uh, urgency that we, um, that we improve our operation. And I think that uh, that helps um, counter any um, lethargy that might have been there if people weren't necessarily interested in taking advantage of the new capabilities that a technology vendor or a Caterpillar dealer can offer, for example, that now there's a little bit of an incentive to, uh, to take advantage of those capabilities and to use it to improve uh, to improve your operations and to make sure that you can run even in this uh, in this leaner environment, um, and and it is lean. Not only the decline in uh, in prices and a little bit of fall off in demand from very large uh, customers like China, uh, but also uh, separately and also having an impact are things like the rise in the value of the U.S. dollar, right, making it that much more um, difficult to, for certain companies to operate in global markets. So for uh, for numerous reasons, there's uh, there's pressure to operate more efficiently. Uh, to take advantage of new capabilities, and uh, we need to make sure that the uh, that our operations and also our technology are up to the task. Ira, what kind of mining are we talking about? I, I know I asked this on the part one we did a couple of weeks ago. Are we t- what talking about? We're talking about gold mines. We're talking about uh, iron mines. What are we talking about? Diamond mines. What mining? Yeah. So, so um, be, being you know by by a factor of about a hundred, the newest person to this topic of conversation, um, I'll leave that to my uh, uh, my okay. colleagues and friends on the telephone. But the uh, the stories that I've heard about recently have been in iron mining. Have also been in coal mining. Uh, but I'm sure there's uh, I'm sure there's much more interesting answers from our. Uh, from our yeah. Okay, yeah, Lou. I mean, so, Rob, I can comment. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I believe it applies to to all types of mining. You know, I mean, I I was recently on a customer site, and uh, they were, you know, and I and I really think that hard times, as I said earlier, you know, hard times actually opens the mind and it gets folks looking at how they can do things better. And I think it's a time of great opportunity for us. You know, uh, this particular customer that I was at um, ha- was using a kind of static scheduling uh, system. So he was saying a certain a group of haul trucks would service a certain excavator on the mine. So you had these sort of static groupings. And what that meant was that sometimes, uh, you know, two or three haul trucks were sitting waiting for the excavator to actually supply yep. material. And there were other ex- excavators where there were not sufficient haul trucks where the excavator was actually uh, standing still, and as, you'll, as, as any open-cost miner would tell you, the one asset you need to keep 100% productive is your excavator. So, 
So, um, uh, you know, and I mean, by, by actually moving to dynamic fleet management and actually dynamically allocating haul trucks to, to excavators based on, on where the need is, you know, uh, we, we were seeing about a 30% idle time amongst the, the, the haul truck fleet. And we reckon that on that particular customer site, you know, we could achieve probably a 30% improvement in productivity, which would be pretty significant. Yeah, and 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 uh, Bonnie, let me add to that. that that's an excellent yes. example. That's an excellent example of how we have disparate systems not working ideally. You know, in kind of a quote unquote Internet of Things uh, uh, space here. If if all those pieces were connected and they were proactive and somewhat self-analyzing versus being reactive, then the thirty percent delays that Rob makes reference to would not occur. They they would they would pace all the levels of production so that you have an optimized flow from from, from beginning to end. Uh, just as a thought, I want to go back to the one comment that that, that kind of you asked Ira here and got us into this mm-hmm. discussion a little bit, dealing with the cost of uh, the supply and demand. I just I, again, this is another one of these subjects that I know just enough to get myself in trouble with. But but I think <laughs> that what you what we have observed for those of us that are based in North America have observed with the fracking technology is, yes. a, is, a, is a different view, a fresh look, a new approach to going back to some of the same areas and remining, if you will, uh, areas that had already been mined previously. And my point here is that the, a shift in their technology has allowed these whole industries to come up and, you know, get more more out of less, if you will. And, you know, to Rob's point, when things get get rough, people start really looking at their business. They pull pull back layers of that onion. And, you know, again, those good old boys will, will make some things happen. So it, it's it's good and bad, but, I, but I'll use the tech, from the technology perspective, I'll use fracking as, you know, going back and kind of reworking, if you will, areas that have already been been mined. And, you know, the, this change in technology has allowed uh, tremendous, uh, you know, uh, products and, and profitability with, with these businesses. Thank you, Lou. Uh, Lou if, if, Rob, If I yes. can chip in there, I mean, what you know, sure. your, your mention of fracking just actually reminded me of an example. I, I think one of the challenges as well is to actually get, is to get folks to actually believe the telemetry data. Uh, I saw a really interesting example recently of a, of a, a, a gas compressor where the telemetry uh, was indicating that a fault was actually going to occur, you know, predictive, predictive analytics. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the customer was notified four times that uh, uh, he needed to, you know, that he had a problem with his compressor. He actually ignored it. I think, uh, you know, did, did inspections and uh, decided everything looked fine. And after the fourth warning, the compressor failed catastrophically and cost $130,000 oh. to repair. Oh. So I guess that's part of the learning curve that, yep. that, that everyone's going through is, is to get to trust the data. <laughs> yep. You, yep. you can lead a manager or an owner to the sensor-generated data, but you can't make them believe it or take action on it. That was a really bad metaphor, but I think you know where I was going. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of yeah. sensors, uh, Ira, I think when we did part one, we talked a little bit about wearables and protecting the safety of the miners, and I believe I asked that panel whether any of this push for embedding the sensors, for doing wearables, for in- increasing the visibility of issues and imminent danger was being generated by demand from the miners. And I think the first panel said, no, it was really coming from outside forces or management or people in the in the industry, but not the miners who were actually down under the ground. I'm wondering if the panel wants to comment. What is the awareness of the miners? Are they part of this push to make us healthier, make us safer, get those sensors, give me the wearables, put more 
more more sensors in the helmet I'm wearing and, and for God's sake, don't let me die in the mine. Uh, is it coming? Lou and, and Rob, are you aware of any push from the miners themselves, any action packs on their side? Um, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm happy to kick off on that one. I, yeah. you know, I think uh, a lot depends on, on, on how the mine actually approaches this with its workforce. So um, I, I've, I, you know, w- one of the things that, that we're seeing starting to get taken up more and more is this issue around fatigue man- management, where, where, where you actually, uh, you know, have a, a camera watching the driver and seeing how often he blinks and seeing how dilated his pupils are, et cetera, et cetera. And the camera can then sort of predict if he's actually getting tired. Now, now, now that's great technology. And from a safety point of view, it's absolutely fast, fantastic. The issue is how do you approach the driver with it? You know, if you if you go and you beat the driver up and say, "Hey, you're tired and you're slacking," and uh, you know, uh, uh, get, get to bed earlier <laughs> and make him feel mm-hmm. like he's been punished, you're probably going to see some chewing gum stuck over the camera lens next time round or something, right? If you if you actually use it as the other way around, as non-threatening as trying to actually help improve safety so that people don't feel like like big brother brother is watching them, then I think it it actually works well. But it's very much in terms of how how it's communicated to the work to, to the workforce. Hello? Yeah, yeah, Bonnie. I would just comment uh, similar, but maybe just uh, just just come from a little bit different direction. It gets back to my good old boy comments. There's no question in my mind that there are some very bright and intelligent people working in these mines, and this group helps push some of these solutions to management. And and the more that you know, you you can make them part of the solution, the the, the better the acceptance would be. There's no question in my mind if. There was some new technology that became available that would increase their safety factor, likelihood of 10x, and yeah, it may be a little uh, inconvenient for them, or you know, to Rob's point, how do you handle it with the driver? But if if they're part of that solution, which I think they would be, I you know, I think you will find that, the, that these individuals would would uh, be behind it because uh, they understand the environment that they're working in, both from from a health and safety perspective, more than mm-hmm. anyone else. Thank you. Ira Burke, you want to comment on this, please? Well, yeah, we've, we've had a chance to talk both about wearables and about uh, privacy on, uh, mm-hmm. on, on some previous episodes, and I think that applies yes. really strongly here, right? If there's going to be trust, if you're going to be capturing activity about individual people and what they're doing and where they're going and how they're spending their time, um, if you're honestly doing it to provide a safer work environment, if you're doing it to let them know if they're in an environment that's uh, that's unstable or where there's you know dangerous gases in the air or anything like that, um, then you'd imagine that uh, any of us would be all in favor of something like that. But if you look at this device and, and you start to think, well, the company's tracking information about me that I'd rather not share, uh, then maybe you won't be so supportive. So I think it's uh, the transparency is really important on how the privacy is communicated, how the data is used. Uh, and to make sure that uh, that everyone understands that it's not going to be misused, or at least that both sides have an understanding. Very important. Who do I hear? Somebody wants to talk. Was that Lou or Rob? I heard somebody. Neither one? Okay. I want to talk about who is actually running the show at the top of leadership and management in the mining business. You could, We could talk about the owners of the mines. We could talk about the equipment owners, uh, the equipment manufacturers. Who are these people? How old are they? Uh, where do they come from? Is this a family business, quote, unquote? Who is actually running the show and making these decisions? We might have touched on it a little, but before we go to our predictions round in about four minutes, I'd like to know, who are these people? I know old boys. I've heard that batted around here a little bit. Uh, Lou Cellini, who are these people? 
people? Where do they come from? Are they are they all over the world? Are they people who love to travel and get dirty? Are they people whose fathers were in the mining well, business? Ha- I, talk to me. I, 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 I'm going to defer a little bit more to Rob on, on this question, and, and okay. I will say that it's 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 all the above. But you failed to mention the, the, the key one, and, and, and it's the guys and, and the ladies, if you will, uh, on Wall Street who really kind of pull the, the strings for a lot of these businesses in terms of what they do and don't, don't do. Didn't expect that one. Okay, yeah. well, that ties a little bit into the economic factor that Ira Burke yeah. brought in. Rob Tennant, who are they? Talk to us. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, a tough one to answer, Bunny, because I think uh, it varies so much from, from mine to mine and company to company because the culture is just very different. You know, uh, uh, many mines, the sort of mine manager is God. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and so all, all, all things come, all, all wisdom comes from him. And, and, and in some other sites, it's very different. Sometimes it's more centrally organized. So I would really struggle to say that there's a, any particular prototype there. I think it's, it's very mixed and, 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 and there's a whole spectrum. Yeah. Ira, any thoughts? Um, no, unfortunately. I haven't. Uh, I, I don't really um, have an opportunity to see that yet, um, but I think we're going to find out as we start to put some of the... But uh, I, I mean, I, I, I would say maybe I can sort of make a comment that's slightly uh, linked to that, Bonnie. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mentioned up front this issue of the half-life of data. And I mean, one of the things is that is is is, is, is I talked about the you know the need to do this really fast. So to identify an issue, communicate it with somebody on the mine, get a decision, and do something quickly. Because if you don't, uh, you actually lose the value of this whole thing. And 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 I think quite a lot of mines are fairly bureaucratic in terms of their whole process. So you might have one guy that says, "Yeah, okay, we need to you know do something," and then it has to go through two or three people to get authorized. I guess one of the challenges behind really getting value out of the Internet of Things is to figure out ways to use technology to actually make that whole process a lot more efficient. And I think, obviously, mobile technology can play a big role here. Okay. You know what? We've got about nine minutes left till the end of the show. We're not quite ready for predictions, but it's too late to take a break. I'm going to toss open, throw open the floor and ask Lou Cellini, Rob Ten, and Ira Burke, is there anything you'd like to cover that we didn't talk about that you feel is very germane for our audience to know about mining and technology and IoT today? Lou, Rob, Ira, anybody? Quickly, a topic that was in your notes that we didn't get to? Uh, Open floor. Who wants to talk? Yeah, I'm, uh, this is Ira. I'm happy to throw mm-hmm. one out to start, uh, which is uh, you know, as, as I've been you know, digging in and researching the topic and starting to speak to people around the uh, industry, um, one of the things that I found really surprising, and, and Lou echoed this earlier as well, is that they've been at this for, for a while, right? So uh, we have um, documents that are 10 years old or even older where um, equipment manufacturers are starting to put this instrumentation and the uh, sensors into the equipment and starting to think about how they're going to gather the data and how the communication network needs to be built. And so even though we've got certain technologies that are really new today and being applied for the first time, um, this has been an evolution. And in in many ways, um, what I found is that this industry has been ahead of the curve, uh, probably because of the huge amount of cost involved, very expensive equipment, a very expensive loss of productivity when there's downtime. Mm -hmm. The incentives are strong. The technology challenges are are high. And uh, so we're in a position today to benefit from uh, a decade or more of work that's gone into creating what we now call an IoT infrastructure, at least the beginning that's uh, in place here. I mean, this is this is Rob to perhaps just build on that point a little bit. I think mm-hmm. uh, you know each each vendor does fit their own telemetry, and I think certainly one of the things I pick up tremendous frustration from 
from folks on the mine is, 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 is we talked earlier on about data pockets, and I think that they face this challenge all the time. So each vendor has their own little pocket of data. They hold it quite close to themselves, and the mine really needs to take that data and integrate it to get real value in terms of looking at the mine overall. And I, and I, I do believe it's an area where we are going to see some, uh, some, some movement as, as customer pressure forces vendors to actually work together a little bit more. You know, there is a sort of standard out there at the moment for telemetry, but there's only like 10 basic data structures that have been agreed. And um, uh, clearly that needs, to, that needs to expand, and I'm sure it will over time. You know, you, you can imagine a time when, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, all the equipment on a mine knows about all the other equipment and makes sure that nothing ever collides, you know. <laughs> that mm-hmm. thing, right? yeah. Wouldn't so, that so, be nice? Yes, yeah, Lou. So, I w- yeah, I just want to uh, touch on a point that, that, that Ira made about, you know, what we've been doing in this space. And, you know, we talked about this has been around for quite some time, which it has. I will, I will agree that mining, mining has kind of been leading, uh, particularly when you look at the, at, at the whole footprint of construction equipment in general. And, you know, the, the primary reason for that is because of the cost that, that, that's involved with uh, purchasing and acquisition of the equipment and so forth. But I will say that if you look at someone like the aircraft industries and is an example, they're a whole decade ahead, ahead of, um, uh, you know, wh- where the construction equipment uh, as an industry a- a- as a whole is in terms of this whole tele- telemetry internet of of things, if you will, um, um, with with the use of technology. So, you know, we, we've come a long way. We've got a ways to go. I think you've heard all of us talk about, you know, aggregating this data and turning it into a tool and, and the lack of hard uh, technology tools to do all that. You've heard me use the term of use cases and, and bringing leadership and, you know, all these pieces plugging away sooner or later are going to Something's going to break through, and, and you know it's going to be the next the next big thing, or it's going to be the shift. And um, you know that's that's what gets me excited as, as I think about the Internet of Things and, and, and a lot of this conversation. And what I did observe on some of your previous broadcasts, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on this topic. Lou, I'm, I was just going to ask you to do your predictions and fast forward to 2020, but I think you just touched on predictions. So we will formally say we're sliding into home plate with the crystal ball predictions round. And Lou Cellini, since you're first up and the last one to speak, I'll ask you, is there anything you'd like to add formally as a prediction for what would happen by 2020 or any time you can see clearly blue skies or otherwise in the future for IoT and mining? Why don't you give me just another 30, 40 seconds and then we yeah, will turn to just, Rob and Ira. Right, right to the point. The, 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 this technology is going to be ubiquitous. It's going to be the, the sensor visualization communication technology is going to be embedded in, in everything that, that, that's about us, whether it's our clothing, our vehicles, and it all will come together as, 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 as an output. Um, this whole issue of artificial intelligence with machines proactively orchestrating their business, making phone calls saying I'm sick, adjusting their fuel-air ratio mixture to get better better optimization, all that stuff's going to be forthcoming. And, and then the, the next large one, in my opinion, is is the proliferation of, of kind of robots, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. Just very quickly, you can imagine, I'll, I'll shift to general construction, you can imagine a 20 or 30-acre mall site what they're going to end up doing is have a bill of material for 10 pieces or 15 pieces of equipment they need. They're going to put a fence around it. They're going to put the machines all in the corner, and the machines are going to go do their cut and their fill and their compaction in the most optimized manner possible, and there will not be any human intervention. And they'll be using both the, the automation controls as well as geospatial technology, and, and, and some of that's going to be into the mining world as well. 
And I was just going to ask you if there was going to be, we're going to be a lot of job openings in the field, but I think you just answered that one. Yeah. Let's turn to Rob Tennant at Barlow World. Rob, I can give you, ooh, let's say, one full minute on predictions. So go ahead, Rob. Right. Okay, so I, I think that what we're going to see happening is we're going to see telemetry finding its way higher and higher up through the mine uh, 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 planning systems. So uh, today you typically have, have, have systems running individual elements of the mine, like, like assigning assets to do work, etc. I think it's going to move up. I, I think we're going to see more and more use of drones to actually do ge- geological analysis and to optimize. I think we're going to see um, in, in, in shovel chemical analysis and, and dynamic blending to actually achieve optimal uh, a product to actually send to the market based on current spot prices. I think you're going to see all of this starting to integrate together, and the mine plan itself is going to be is, is going to move from something that today is sort of static and revisited every so often to being utterly dynamic and changing minute by minute as the conditions on the mine change. Thank you very much. Eloquently said. I appreciate that. Ira Burke, I have saved a whole minute for you. So what are your predictions? A whole minute. So, so <laughs> the main thing is that if these technology changes are going to come to pass, right? if we're going to be able to really apply the, the new technical capabilities in this environment, um, I think we're also going to see new business partnerships that are emerging, uh, new roles for a technology vendor like, like SAP to play. Uh, new roles for the dealers, for the equipment manufacturers, for the mining companies, um, working together to get the value out of the data, to get the value out of the connectivity, to get the value out of the processes that have been created. That uh, it, Rob, Rob said something really interesting earlier on about the approval process that it takes to get something changed. Well, maybe maybe those processes will change over time because in an IT environment, um, acting faster can have a measurable uh, can have a measurable result. So I think we're going to see changes in the way businesses uh, you know, work together and the way they operate and, uh, and start to see that as a complementary change to the technology. Thank you, Ira Burke. Thank you to the panel. Lou Cellini, SAP. Rob Tennant at Barlow World. Ira Burke at SAP. What a good conversation. Listen, the measure of good conversation is when my engineer at World Talk Radio says, I'm really enjoying listening to them. This is fascinating. And he did. So there, you've got an audience there. Uh, shout out to Darren Crowder for sponsoring the series, Ira Burke as well. Michael and the Business Channel team, I have great news. Darren and Ira are renewing the series for another season, and we're going to be moving it to Thursday morning, but there'll be more about that in the coming weeks. Just let me tell you a little bit about all the series we have. We have Digital World with Game Changers, Transforming Your Business with Game Changers, Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, Business Innovation with Game Changers, Game Changing Women, Coffee Break with Game Changers, The Customer Edge with Game Changers. We're here with Internet of Things with Game Changers. We also have The Future of Business and Innovating Innovation, and we are just in the business of game changing. What can I tell you? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Great appreciation to my wonderful panel. Great insights, great conversation, and thank you again to Michael at the World Talk Radio Business Channel team. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. I don't know if there are sensors in it yet, but maybe there will be someday. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, and that's an order. Talk to you tomorrow in Innovating Innovation. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.